Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Oh, man. I am okay. It's still like, uh, oh my gosh, I had the most wonderful girly weekend sleepover. Ooh, nice. My question to everybody is like, when was the last time you had a girly sleepover? I love girly sleepovers. Oh. That's one of the issues by living with a boy is you can't do that as often. <laughs> Because the boy's always in the house. <laughs> Absolutely. Abs- oh my but gosh, that's I really adore fun. a girly sleepover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I It's been the longest and a lovely, lovely girlfriend. And she invited me to the experience of a, a sleepover uh, because she's kind of having this like uh, summer of just inviting, you know, friends she hasn't seen for a mm. while and whatnot to spend a weekend with her, yeah. uh, which is lovely. I had uh, just a bomb phenomenal time. It was all the girl bonding things. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about periods, we talked about hair care, we, no, all the stuff, <laughs> but really deep things that just make you so grateful for your female relationships, yeah. uh, which are singular in their quality and what they bring to your life. And it, mm. it's like none other, nobody else can bring yeah. you that sort of perspective and energy and joy and passion. So I, I my, my cup is filled and I thank my friend. Thanks for that wonderful girly sleepover experience. That weekend was just uh, a dream. Oh, it sounds lovely. I want to play yeah. next time. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, yeah. There was some rosé. We had a little bit of rosé. We had, oh, there was this <laughs> fantastic fusion of this wonderful raspberry rosé with this Thai food, and it just paired oh, so nice. well. Nice. Absolutely. Ooh, speak my language. Can't talk about food. I am absolutely starving. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's, <laughs> I am the only thing standing in the way between you and dinner. So I'm going to be true. mindful. Yeah. Very true. So yes, but you've, I've never seen you hangry, which is very nice. You've never been hangry on our podcast. I haven't. No, but it does happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be fed regularly. I'm just kind of one of those people. That's wonderful. Yeah. I don't do well That's without food. <laughs> So how has your week been? Uh, My week's been good, thank you. I have been on a bit of a yoga fest, so I have done yoga three times this week, so I'm feeling ultra proud of myself. And um, I had a lovely little pool day yesterday with my friend, so that was nice. nice. Um, And my daughter came back from holiday, so So it's nice to see her. Isn't that what, what, I'm like, must be nice going you know first year or university coming back just spending the summer carefree on travels i swear that's wonderful i know i do wish i could live her life (laughs) any thoughts on how she's gonna be financing her life or is that still a tomorrow thing to think about she did actually say to me um she said oh yeah um i said to her are you gonna kind of you know have a look at this that i sent you and that and did a lot she went yeah but i think that's a tomorrow problem Oh my god. So they were the exact words that she used. Well, yeah. I'm I'm kinda of tuning with the Gen Z, so You uh, clearly are, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you're like, uh yeah, no, that's that's hilarious. The bank yeah. of mummy. Excellent. Well, yeah. very good. Sounds like a house full and a beautiful summer expansive. It is of... actually. All the kids are kind of off now for the summer and it's kind of one of those where you don't really know who's turning up when or 
Oh. what's happening so oh. I'm having to let go of my kind of inner control freak that just oh. wants to know exactly what I'm doing when it's a lesson for me just keep the door open and the kettle on yeah. and a fresh pair of linens on the bed yeah and see what happens a lesson indeed oh my gosh wonderful so what's happening at the relationship desk of love okay today on the relationship desk of love I would like to share something with you and it's called the Grey Rock Method. Oh, gosh, I love this. Do you know what it is? I employ it all the time. I, oh, really? I would love so to share. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I would love every listener to, uh, to, be, able, to be inducted into this uh, very, very valuable tool. Well, I had never heard about it. But I guess it follows on from kind of last week's podcast when we talked about kind of family holidays and how mm. sometimes it can be a bit tricky. And we may have kind of toxic people within our lives that we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And this method is a way to um, to deal with some of those trickier people. Oh, God, yes. Do tell. So I'm, well, I'm going to read what it says because um, I have never heard of this before. So I don't want to get it kind of wrong. And then maybe you can follow up with your kind of interpretations or thoughts on it. Oh, yeah. So we first discovered this handy trick by a psychologist in, in their blog. So it says the Grey Rock Method is staying unshakably calm. So in a nutshell, it's a tool to prevent toxic people from escalating a situation. You act as boring and uninteresting and disengaged as possible and toxic people will find it less exciting to try and manipulate you Uh and to choose another target. It takes some acting, but you don't have to be a Meryl Streep to master it. Uh It says during every interaction with a toxic person, the trick is to speak in a neutral voice, talk about boring subjects, don't make eye contact give short generic answers and if the toxic person tries to get a rise out of you don't engage emotionally oh i've got it yep so it's the exact opposite of everything that we tell you to do in a normal relationship yep totally you would never kind of advise that would you if you want to have a relationship with somebody you would not say do not make eye contact kind of stay as neutral as possible they're kind of not the things that you normally deploy absolutely yeah, I, I coach folks a lot in this. Um, there are so many, oh my gosh, I could, we could talk about this for hours and hours because there's different um, scenarios with gray rocking. There's different types. You may want, you may not want to gray rock a person totally. If you want, if you really mm. want to get a toxic person out of your life, you keep using gray rock again and again and again. Um, I want to credit my very, very good friend out uh, in a undisclosed location who uses this regularly in co-parenting uh Mm. with a a person who's very toxic um and so if you need to keep somebody out of your life or keep Mm. to break the manipulation patterns or the cycles um this is a great method and then there's sometimes where you just need a little bit of gray rock just a touch of it to even get ahead in terms of like uh when you're kind of stuck in a place where you're maybe mm. taking admin duties and roles and you're not really doing the visible work that'll get you promoted you can gray rock some of the stuff that um you would ordinary like a pattern that you would ordinarily fall into you can kind of use this technique to kind of escape and get into a new pattern what i would say mm. is that if you find yourself where with certain people, you get angry a lot because you feel like you're being pushed into a corner mm. and they, you feel this tension rising. You feel like you're suffocating, like this person will, will trigger you. They'll, they'll consistently engage you in these manipulative things where you get more and more triggered. You lose control. You get angry. 
And then, um, yeah, the, the gray rock technique can actually help you get out of that mm. uh, being pinned in the corner. Yeah. So trying to break that cycle or that pattern of behavior. Uh, absolutely. And really what it is, is it's mm. not engaging in the traps that are set for you, which yeah. is the hardest thing. Cause when somebody goads you, mm-hmm. you're obviously, I mean, I say you're obviously, you think, well, I'm going to respond. Yes. Um, and But if you can start to recognize your early triggers and realize I'm being triggered, I need to get Mm. out of this conversation by being a bland object and not falling for the traps. There's so many traps. Um, I wish you could see me more. I feel so lonely. You're not a good child. You're not, you know, you're not visiting your mother often enough or uh, like a constant um, using something. Oh my gosh, I could could go on, Sarah. Like, honestly. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. We have stuck a chord, listener. We have stuck a chord. I will say, though, that in other articles, this is not, and this is is a very powerful weapon, and it can actually cause some collateral damage to yourself. Mm. So you got to be careful when you use it, with whom Mm. you use it, because it can actually really, especially if you're in an abusive, a a physically abusive relationship, I wouldn't be doing this without like a therapist helping, just because uh, Mm. it can actually rile somebody up in the interim. Because the person who is used to you engaging will fight even harder to try mm. to make you engage yeah, yeah. in the short term. And you have to be prepared for that like clap back that you'll get when you first start yeah. using this method. Mm. I'm so passionate, what? Sarah. I'm so passionate. I can hear it. I can hear that <laughs> passion in your voice, my love. Yes. How can yeah. you tell that I've had to you gray rock uh, one of my parents? <laughs> Maybe both of <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And who hasn't, right? Like, there's a lot of people who've had, <laughs> who've had to do that. But man, <laughs> yeah, it really has been a yeah. um, sanity saver. Yeah. It's helped me actually grow up and get out of this being pu- pushed back into the 12-year-old self that you become yeah. around your parents. Yeah. And I think you see that a lot, don't you? Yeah. In those family dynamics and situations. Yeah. It's actually helped mm. me to regain control and become an adult and show up yeah. as an adult, finally, as I am an adult, yeah. apparently. <laughs> I don't have to do every day, but quite a few of them, unfortunately. Quite a few of them, I do. Bills. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Right. All right. Okay. Well, now that you're fired up. I am fired up. Should we get you on a hot topic? Oh, God. I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Are you ready for this one? (laughs) Try me. Hold my beer. Okay, today's hot topic, lessons in love. Oh. So I'll elaborate slightly, oh. which we don't normally do on podcasts, but I'm going to today just for you. Oh. So what kind of, this is around the topic of kind of what have past relationships taught you that you have now been able to use to improve or benefit some of your future or current relationships? Oh my God, Sarah, how much time do you have? <laughs> Let's crack open the whiskey. Let's get going. Yeah, I, I you have to keep me in a pretty small pen here because I'm going to go crazy. Um, really, like so many, fa- like learning from failures, mm-hmm. like learning consistently from failures. Um, yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to sort of like get the pot rolling by just adding okay. these two ingredients. Maybe one, maybe one. No, two. Okay, so first one is um, I can see where I have consistently chosen people who have reinforced this message of unworthiness. And so one of the lessons is, is I am worthy. I am lovable, not unconditionally, but like, you know, presuming that I keep showing up and doing my best, I am lovable. Um, 
And it's just a matter of finding somebody who gets my secret sauce. Ooh. You know, there's a there's a sauce for everybody in the world. And I have a sauce that is palatable for a select number of people. And uh, rather than going finding the people who don't like the sauce and will therefore reject me and then make me mm. reinforce and be like, see, I'm rejectable. Uh, go out and find the person who finds my blend awesome. Uh, the second thing that I've learned is that my singular value that is important in a relationship is I want to be with somebody who when they say they're going to do something, they damn well do it. I did not know. I thought it was like important to be like, I don't know, like angsty and artistic. At the end of the day, that is not important. What is important is Mm. follow through, be dependable, be a hard worker and do the things Mm. you say you're going to do. (gasps) Mic drop. Anyways, that's getting the pot, that's getting the pot ready. Those are my lessons. You have got the pot ready. What I would like to say is on behalf of all of the listeners and myself as your co-host, you've always got the right secret sauce for us. (gasps) Damn, Sarah. Like the spice isn't too much. The salt is just right. You're, you're always there for us, baby. I love it. And we wouldn't have you any other way. See, right? This is the place where of like unconditional approval and affection. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I feel appreciated. See, this is why we need girlfriends and this is why we need podcast partners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So let's, okay. Lessons in love. Sarah, illuminate. Mm. So I think one of my biggest lessons is learning how to be yourself in a relationship and presenting that self to the other person, whether mm. you believe that it is what they want or not. Oh, okay. Tell me, tell me about what life was like when you weren't presenting your real self. I think the challenge with not presenting your real self is you, you're the only person that suffers in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because whether we talked a few weeks ago about one of the questions on the podcast was about, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do that. Um, these are all the things I'm going to make this, this is my magic formula for love. And this is going to make my relationship wonderful, what have I missed? So, you know, that whole kind of scenario of creating a kind of almost a picture of who you think somebody else wants, mm-hmm. and you kind of present that if it's not in alignment with actually who you are as a person, eventually that's going to unravel. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And how does it unravel? What do you find? What has, what starts to happen? Well, I think you get that level of unhappiness, don't you? That kind of sets in or, you know, at the worst end of the spectrum is you get this um, resentment that comes in kind of because you're, it, it's like we talk a lot about kind of values on this podcast as well. And it's really important to kind of understand what your value set is. And if you don't, then mm. And to choose a partner based on having some kind of shared values or at least respect for each other's values, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we're never going to have the exact same kind of value set. That's just not how life works because we're too individual for that. Um, And that's the wonderful thing, right? Because despite what we might think, we don't want to be in a relationship with ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Because even that can get tricky at times. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And again, the very things that we initially valued, we can often start to turn against and be like, well, I yeah. wish I could change that one thing yeah, that yeah. early in the relationship, I found that I needed to complement my value set. So yeah, 
Just remember that yeah. very thing that's annoying and getting under your skin and causing like near divorce is actually the thing that you sought them out for at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often yeah. is the case, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we need people that can kind of honor and value kind of the things that we are important to us, but also kind of who we are as, as human beings as well. And I think that's another kind of lesson I would say is around this kind of strength based view of life and your partner and your relationship I think we're too quick to judge mm. we're too quick to um to kind of point the finger we're too quick to look at all the things that we feel are kind of wrong and um unfair and um are not contributing to our level of happiness mm -hmm. that we completely miss out on all the kind of beautiful lovely things um, that we're able to kind of witness and to see in each other mm. and to see in our relationship. Mm. So I think that's kind of like a massive thing, isn't it? Um, but in order to do that, you've got to kind of, uh, I think you've got to be quite a reflective person. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think a lot of us aren't. Right. We have potential to be. A, oh, it's massive potential. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but but that's not our s default setting as we go out of the gate yeah. of relationship again because of yeah. a lot of societal messages that say yeah. a bunch of stupid shit to us like the <laughs> you complete me messages the you got to find the right partner girlfriend and like you're a queen and it's the sort of externalization of yeah. somebody else has to be perfect for you and you're mm. already perfect and you're just yeah. finding yeah, your fellow yeah. perfect again like ridiculous societal messages that mm. don't set us up for so we're not we're not reflective by default yeah. because society didn't say like, you know, like 50% of the problem is going to be you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh. And I think part of that is we, the, I guess another kind of lesson I would say is around avoidance of, of situations that you find hard, whether that's a conversation or a, a conflict that keeps arising, avoiding something Whilst it may ease things kind of in the short term, it's never going to be a successful long-term strategy. Uh -huh. And I think I've learned over the years that actually if something's a problem, you need to address it kind of straight away. Yes. And when I say straight away, you know, that might be within 24 hours, maybe a bit of time to process <laughs> and think about things. Of course, yeah. Um, but, you know, you need to, to address things in a timely manner, I think, and that kind of avoidance, that burying your head, that kind of, you know, kicking it down the road, it's a problem for you know, another day doesn't really get you anywhere. But I think it also means that you miss out on the opportunity to really kind of grow and learn in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you've got it. Oh, gosh. So this is a huge, loaded, beautiful, reflective question. How do you... Um, oh, I, I want to sort of get a little meta here, if I can do another Gen Z thing. If you notice, uh, um, Sarah and I did a great job of... When we said lessons learned, we did not talk about all the all, all the shit that the other person um, has done or hasn't done. We didn't place ourselves as victim in this whole sort of lessons yeah. learned. Um, and so as we're encouraging folks to take on this question, we're going to gently nudge you to say, what, what have you learned about how you were showing up yeah. and how you can change? Uh, because the exercise is not about like, oh, the other person did me wrong. So yeah. just saying that. So yeah. how do you recommend that people get insightful and take this question head on, this exercise, this opportunity? It is, yeah, and, it, and it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I think what I would say is do it when you're in a good headspace. Mm -hmm. 
because um, trying to be kind of that self-aware and reflective and take ownership can be quite hard if you're kind of in a in a kind of really tricky spot with your relationship mm-hmm. so it can be really difficult I think very often it's like if you have an argument with your partner mm-hmm. and if you were to talk about it immediately very often you would get into that kind of blame cycle you would really kind of you know be very much about pointing the finger it wouldn't be about kind of ownership but when you simmer and you've no longer got those that emotional flood that's happening inside of the body and that chemical reaction that's going on and you kind of reflect and think okay how did I contribute to that situation Mm -hmm. oh what is it that I did that kind of inflamed the situation Mm-hmm. as an example so if we take kind of like a really small part we can start to then just um to see how that kind of reflection would play out now once I've kind of settled down a bit we're not feeling as kind of angry and cross and mm. frustrated by the situation we can then kind of say well actually do you know what that comment that I made wasn't really very kind it wasn't really mm. very fair and I can see why my partner responded in that way um I can see that in that moment, I was out to score points and I mm. was taking on prisoners. That's not really something that I'm proud of as an action. Ah. So we can start to kind of unpick some of the parts and, you know, maybe it's a case of kind of reflecting on the last, less positive moment that you had with your partner mm. and use that as a starting position because sometimes we need to kind of warm up and gear up to it, don't we? And then oh. you can start to kind of think about actually, you know, further back in a relationship or a previous relationship Mm. yeah oh yeah got it oh that's a great approach there's a there's huge rabbit holes down here like you could spend (laughs) a year just thinking about this but it's this is really really cool this is the essence of setting up for success in your next relationship which may be with the person you currently are in a relationship with yeah yeah yeah. as you go into the next cycle or stage yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah Okay, that's food for thought. It is. Yeah. I think the one last thing that I would add is from kind of the work that we do with couples, one of my kind of really clear observations is very often the um, partnership, they both want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, and they describe, but they'll describe that in very kind of different ways. But actually the underlying part of it is you know, people want to feel connected. They want to feel like they're on the same page together. They want to feel like they are have a special bond and they're kind of planning for their future together. They want to feel that care, love, tenderness from their partner. Mm. And that is the same no matter what the kind of, um, you know, the sex. It isn't that a man thinks this or a woman thinks that or in a kind of, you know, a, in a different setting that kind of people think about or view things in a different way I think as human beings and individuals kind of all seek the same thing from a relationship Mm, yeah the challenge is we often don't know how to get it (laughs) yeah that's so gosh that's so true wow okay well but the first start the first step is the look at taking a hard look at yourself yeah 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 Yeah. and then the steps start to the steps you know if you can figure out the if you can diagnose sort of where things have gone off the rails, then the how to, you know, set something firmly on the rails becomes a bit more clear. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It'd be quite an interesting conversation actually to have with your partner, wouldn't it? So if you are in a good headspace and you feel like you're kind of 
up for a bit of a challenge this week, then just ask your partner, you know, what lessons have you learned across the years about it, oh. from kind of either our relationship or past relationships? Yeah. It's a great dinner conversation. I know. <laughs> well, just be a little careful. I'm not careful, but like, you know, it's going to come up with a lot. It's going to break up a lot. So it's it's a wonderful question. Mm. I don't know, over dinner or maybe in a retreat, maybe, you know, that family vacation we talked about last week. Maybe it takes some time to kind of like you're around a campfire or you're in a Adirondack chair or we call them the Muskoka chairs uh, on a quiet lake listening to the loons with a little bit of chilled rosé on the setting sun and you say so let me ask you a question indeed you always paint such beautiful pictures Anna oh <laughs> oh. <sighs> oh yes okay would you uh would you like to answer a question yes or at least ponder a question I don't know if we have any answers <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's put the question. Oh, actually, this fits very well. <laughs> Today's question. My partner and I have been arguing a lot lately and I find myself getting really upset and angry. How can I communicate effectively with my partner when I'm feeling this way? Oh, love it. So like, just to zip ahead so you don't generally communicate when you're feeling this way that's that's a lovely point that you just brought in it's like that's the whole point about like that is I don't want to react I want to respond so yes okay so but let's dial this way way back um isn't it curious they find themselves getting angry so they're being triggered they're being triggered. It's yeah. either that their partner is just, it's a non-noxious sort of thing that's coming up, but yet it is hitting on a raw nerve from the past. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. it's just, you know, when you're feeling angry, you are in major trigger, you are in fight or flight. Um, mm-hmm. If you start communicating from that spot, you're going to be reacting and you're going to be throwing all sorts of unhelpful shit back. Yeah. And you can see that cycle because you've been in it. That's why you're asking the question that this did yeah, not yeah. start yesterday. So yeah, so let's talk about being triggered. And what the heck do you do when somebody is trying to goad you or a very non noxious, innocent sort of thing keeps hitting on a prior trigger? What do you do? Yeah. So I think the first point here, or the first place to start is to understand the the emotion itself. Uh Uh Because this it sounds like, as you say, this is something that's reoccurring and it keeps coming up and it's the um, the feelings are then getting more and more intense. Uh-huh. So because whatever it is that's happening isn't getting dealt with in a way that you feel is satisfactory and therefore the, the emotion is intensified behind it. Yes. And when you're feeling angry and you, you've, you've said that just recently is that if you are able to articulate two questions, number one, when have I heard, when have I, when have I felt this before? Because to, to sort of inquire about like, what is underneath this? Mm. If you're just trying to understand why am I angry? That's actually the wrong question. Cause it's actually, it's not often anger. There's something underneath that. And it's not a new rodeo that you're on. You've felt this again and again, there's probably been somebody in your life who you, so ask yourself, when have I heard the, when have I felt this and what situations have I felt this before? And can mm. I start to just like you're saying, put names to that? It's mm. embarrassment. It's shame. It's fear. It's guilt. Uh, it's loss. It's heartbreak. It's hurt, pain. Um, because if you can, if you can do that, um, and then you can kind of bring yourself 
more into the present of what's going on to be able to name mm. what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Is it suffocation around my throat? Is it a chest pain? Is it nausea? Uh, cause if you can start to pull yourself into the present by tying down words to these feelings, mm. again, we talk with kids about like, use your words. What are you yeah. feeling right now? The other thing that actually can be really helpful is like, you're safe. You're here. You're mm. safe. This is now. Uh, and you're fine. You're like, that is another thing. Cause like, although unless you're in an abusive situation in that case, like you need to get out, uh, and, and that's that. But, um, but if you're being triggered, you actually have hopefully the luxury of sort of in this encounter, or maybe you step away and say, Hey, I, I need about half an hour to clear my head. Let me get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you can say, okay, I'm, I'm safe. I'm here. I'm safe. Yeah. What were, what were you feeling? Where was it coming up for you? Where have you felt that before? And I think that yeah. is a very important starting point. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think the other thing I'd say to that as well is, you know, in this question, they're saying we are continually arguing, we're not able to get past it, and I'm feeling more and more angry and sad as a result of it, is to acknowledge that it's okay to feel like that. Mm -hmm. I think we often want some of these kind of more, as we would describe them, negative feelings, but these more hurtful feelings, we want them just to disappear because we don't want to experience them. Yeah. But actually, this is part of life and... I've said before on the podcast, it tells you that there's something not right here. Mm -hmm. So, and it's how do I get below those levels? You know, maybe an exercise would be to say, okay, if I look at this from, you know, an immediate level, what is it that I'm seeing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if I go down another level, okay, what else is behind that then? Mm. And so we just keep kind of digging and we go down kind of a level after a level after a level. And we can try and get to the source of the, of the challenge because, it's that inability to resolve things that is kind of causing this escalation. It's like the problem's not disappearing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, can't, oh and we can't deal with that problem because we're not actually really certain what it is. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, behind kind of that, behind that fear and that sadness, what else is behind that, you know? Um, sorry, behind the anger and the sadness, what else is behind that? You know, often it will be fear. Mm -hmm. The sadness might be, actually, I feel kind of, disconnected I feel rejected I feel mm. I feel let down it could be kind of any of those things and so we can kind of explore those and I, I guess another question to ask is if I wasn't feeling this way if I was feeling kind of happy mm. and I was feeling kind of calm what would be different hmm. and I think what comes up for me is what would I be hearing or hearing differently if yeah. I were calm and not triggered in this moment, yeah. which actually mm -hmm. then allows you to really concentrate on the person who you're having this interaction with and hearing their words, looking at their body language, noticing, and then also questioning some of your interpretations and assumptions mm -hmm. that you've built up about their intention, about their tone, about a whole yeah. bunch of stuff. Like yeah. you may actually realize, oh, they're actually not coming for me and attacking me. Actually, they, uh, I've misinterpreted their tone. Yeah. Or maybe you start to see their fear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, oh, this is critical work. It's really hard. Mm. Um, and it does delve quite a bit into psychology, you know, the, the work of psychologists, especially if there's a big body of trauma there. I, as a coach and a physician, I, because I don't have a, a therapy training background, I probably wouldn't, mm. if I saw that there was like, this was a big nuclear sort of mm. Chernobyl situation sitting here, I might encourage somebody to also look at bringing a therapist on board if it mm. was very, very touchy and a lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, but doing this work is just, is so, I mean, it's stuff that I do 
myself, I guess, because I'm starting on a new beginning and I'm starting to reckon with where those, as you start to get closer to somebody, they start to trigger you because those old, old raw wounds are just under the surface. And it's part and parcel of getting to know somebody and letting somebody in and getting vulnerable. The whole point of vulnerability is reckoning with wounds that are still open. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have had immense experience with triggering in the last few months. And and I, I go into like fight or flight and I'm anxious. Yeah. My heart is racing. I start to think catastrophically. This is over. Mm-hmm. It's done. This is what this person is thinking. You start to fill in all the gaps with horrible things yeah, that yeah, yeah. align with horrible messages. But it's like a storm and you sort of like you live in the rage of it for a few hours and you slowly, yeah. slowly start to come out and and uh, and you can actually walk yourself out of a triggering moment. Like it's an amazing thing to walk into the storm and then take yourself, walk yourself right out of that storm with just, just patience and allowing yourself to say, look, let's not pull the plug and do something disastrous that is going to throw fuel on this fire. Let's walk away and let the storm settle and then come back and be like, oh, wait, the world didn't fall apart just then. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Mm, Yeah. On to, I think there's a kind of second part to this, this question, isn't that is then the kind of, how do I, how do we avoid this? How do we not get into that situation of that kind of eternal conflict loop that seems to be happening over and over again and is not doing them any, any good whatsoever at all because all of these yeah. other feelings and emotions are coming up. And avoiding it and stopping talking is what many people do, but please don't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you should, I'm a definite advocate for taking a a short break and saying, look, I just need, I need some time out. I need some space. I need to kind of walk around the block. I need to do whatever it is um, I need to do just to kind of let, let the internal flux just, um, just settle a little bit. So we've got enough space to be able to then kind of have a conversation so we know that the the way that we've been communicating already isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that it's not effective. We know that it's not helpful to the situation. So we've got to think about how do we turn it on its head. And um, one thing that I find is really, really useful is to look at the cycle. Mm. So what is it that's happening? Where is the point where we feel the energy levels really kind of getting heightened and we're kind of tipping into a heightened state of emotion that isn't going to be, you know, conducive to the rest of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to identify those kind of early on enough, sometimes we might just need to agree to disagree. So we might just have to mm-hmm. say at that point, look, I recognize that every single time we have this conversation and we feel the mm-hmm. way that we both feel right now, we end up in a state that is kind of beyond the point of no return Uh we then feel devastated as a result of that and it's damaging our relationship absolutely so my suggestion then is kind of you know I suggest that we stop talking about this I suggest that you know because not all problems or challenges or differences in your relationship are resolvable yes I think um isn't there some quote by um the Gottman Institute that says something like 70 percent of if differences or problems in a relationship are not solvable and therefore it's just about how you come together to enjoy kind of the rest the other part of your life you've got it oh that is I mean that's incredible so it, it really does like there's many instances where we'll never we'll have to agree to disagree or find yeah. a compromise a respectful compromise and yeah. there's a lot of times where neither you're right nor they're right nobody's right mm. yep yeah exactly yeah 
And I think sometimes when we practice some of these kind of techniques, it takes such a long time before we actually see that they're working. So we give up too soon on them. We go, well, that didn't work last time. So mm-hmm. and we revert back to type because because sometimes it just it does take the brain a little bit of time to reprogram itself, you know, especially when you get a little bit older and <laughs> you enter in a certain stage in life. <laughs> I hear that. I've heard Thank clients you. talk about that older age situation. <laughs> you know, we need to, um, so we need to give ourselves the best chance of, of success and give us ourselves a bit of a shot at it because mm-hmm. we're trying to reprogram things. We're trying to learn a new skill. We're trying to, to learn a new pattern of behavior, yeah. which isn't always that easy to do. So, you know, keep, keep trying with some of those techniques to and I do think taking that kind of time out and just saying we need to we need to park and pause on this conversation right now we need some time we need to reflect on it we either need to agree to disagree or we take some time we reflect and we come back together Mm -hmm. yeah and and that can be respected I I have couples where they have to be explicitly because there's one person who will keep chasing and be like no no no, we have to talk about it now we have to talk about it now if you're identified as that person, you're going to, you're going to have to stand down when there's like, no, uh, this is the moment where we are really going to take a break. Cause if we, if you keep pushing me down this path, Mm. I will say stuff I will regret because I'll be reacting to the trigger, not Mm. taking time to process and respond. Uh, so don't chase your partner. If they say you got to leave me alone for a little bit. And again, there is this fine line of stonewalling. If your partner always refuses to engage and refuses to talk about anything that's stonewalling yeah 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 i mean the point is you have to re-engage at some point yes and whether that's that key. is to agree that actually do you know what that situation we are never going to be able to resolve but we still love each other let's focus on the other aspects of our life that yeah. are beautiful and wonderful together yeah that absolutely so but there has to be that agreement to come back together to be able to kind of start to unpick some of these challenges yeah you've got it Oh, yes. I'm sure we could talk about this question for a very long time. I, there, honestly, yeah, <laughs> I'm just brimming. So stop myself. But yes, hopefully that gives us a little, that gives folks just a little bit of like the training wheels to get started. Mm. But stay tuned, mm-hmm. watch the space. Whew, yeah. Addressing triggers and effective communication when we are angry, triggered, emotional, yeah. and liable to react and uh, uh, throw shit at our partner. Yeah, this is like... Yeah. This is a big topic for us. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting, isn't it? It's like kind of 24 hours later when you look back, you know, often you can even see your own kind of ridiculousness in some of these situations and the way mm. that you behaved. And you're like, actually, that wasn't really very clever of me. Um, I don't even know why I did that. That was kind of, that was like a really, really stupid, dumb move. And I wish I'd handled it better. But this you know, it comes back to the same thing that we've just been talking about when we take responsibility for our actions and we say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have shown up like that. I shouldn't have said the things that I said. How do we move forward? I want to kind of fix this. Because this, you know, comes back to the same thing we've talked about as well. Like, am I committed to this relationship? Do I want to fix this? Or, um, or am I not in it? So, mm-hmm. because you won't be able to resolve some of these conflicts if you're not in it. Absolutely not. In it to win it. Gotta be in it to win it, my lovely. Yeah, you've got it. So. Ooh, ah, that was a workout. That was a workout. I was, was fired up and then I'm not like, yeah, the passion, the fire, the, yeah. And I'm, I'm passionate because I've, I've just 
stumbled and shot myself in the foot repeatedly over this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, this comes from like the trauma of war is like, you know, just trying to show up differently. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. All right. So, oh, okay. Well, are you going to go and eat something fabulous? I am going to eat something. In fact, I'm not even sure what I am eating, but I need to eat something. I am absolutely starving. Yeah. Oh, well, it's amazing how you show up when you're starving as hell. But like, man, it's kind of like um, folks who um, I have a very trusted source who has provided a lot of great detail about intermittent fasting and some of the Mm. scientifically proven benefits. I'm like, I'm kind of bought in. But um, this person states that they have incredible energy on on uh, fast. So maybe there's something about your fasting state that lended more juice to the conversation. Oh, Not maybe. that you want to be starving all the time, but just saying. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, so the garden's going to be lo- lovely tonight for dinner, isn't it? <laughs> the sun is still shining. Oh, that garden. Beautiful, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> isn't the garden oh. looking great? <laughs> oh, isn't the garden looking great? <laughs> yes. Oh, you got it. Uh, oh. All right. Till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.